what we're doing at this point is we're entering into the space where we want to offer our customers the ability to leverage our pre-funding technology while at the same time giving the opportunity to partner with us to create true enterprise loan quality. So our vision for the market is a partnership and a collaboration between the lender and us as a tech-enabled services company. Hey folks, this is Clayton Collins, your host for the Housing News Podcast. And today we have a really cool episode focused on the entrepreneurial side of loan quality, quality control, and audit services. We have the entire leadership team from QC Ally, which was formerly known as IncoCheck before the business was acquired and rebranded earlier in 2022. We have Nicole Booth, the Chief Marketing Officer, Donna Gibson, President, and Mike Detweiler, a partner at QC Ally. In this conversation, we talk about IncoCheck's acquisition and the rebrand to QC Ally. We talk about Mike's background as an entrepreneur, operator, and investor and acquirer in housing technology and mortgage technology businesses. We talk about different growth drivers from organic drivers to more inorganic paths through M&A. And we talk about the very recent and important timing of the rebrand of the business and what's next for QC Ally and how they intend to shake up and innovate in the quality control ecosystem. This conversation bridges into some of the topics that might make you kind of change your view on on QC and audit as a cost center to potentially more of a revenue center for mortgage banking businesses. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Nicole Booth, Donna Gibson, and Mike Detweiler. Thrilled to welcome Nicole Booth, the Chief Marketing Officer at QC Ally, Donna Gibson, President, and Mike Detweiler, a partner at QC Ally. Ally, what did I say? QC Ally. (laughs) Mike, Donna, Nicole, welcome. Thank you for having us. Thank you. All right. So Nicole, I want to kind of kick off with you. You have an incredibly unique background in the housing industry and bringing a lot of, a lot of unique experiences to the, the professional that you, you have become through your combined experiences. Tell us a little more about your, your background and how you've grown in the mortgage industry. Yeah, sure. I think a lot, like a lot of folks, um, I fell into the mortgage industry. Uh, my background is primarily in government affairs. So I worked for a congressman, I worked for KNL Gates, and then I was trying to figure out what was next and went to Rocket Mortgage. Um, at that point, it was called Quicken Loans. I was very, very fortunate um, to work with a woman named Sean Krause, who gave me a shot over there, and we built um, a government affairs team from three to 30. By the time I left, I was there for eight years. Um, got really involved in digital mortgage and digital tech and wanted to see where that was going to go. And so um, uh, during the pandemic, I moved to Notarize, which is a startup in the remote online notarization space, and did a lot of really great work there, passing state laws state by state, and then working at the federal and regulatory and opening this Um, digital closing opportunity for lenders and title companies that didn't have it before. And so that was really exciting. 
And so um, I was able to gather all this knowledge and influence and wanted to take a chance on working with now QC Ally, who already has an amazing story. And all I have to do is share that story in a way that resonates with the mortgage industry. So I'm really fortunate. When you went from Quicken, now Rocket, to, to Notarize, what was the biggest like lesson you learned or the biggest surprise of going from the lender side of the ecosystem to a technology and solutions business that partners with, uh, with, with partners in the mortgage industry and also other sectors? That's a, that's a great question. I wasn't exactly sure what was going to happen when you're rocket mortgage and everybody knows you, you automatically walk in a room and like people know who you are. And so when I went to notarize, luckily they already had a really strong, um, influencing space in the remote online notarization space. And so I wasn't quite sure were the people that I worked with going to see me as rocket mortgage still, were they going to see me as notarized? And what I was really happy to find was that the mortgage space is a small community and people still treated you with that same respect. And so I think that's the biggest thing that I learned was to trust the industry. And it wasn't just about the name, but we really are trying to make the best of, of what cycle we're in at what part of the cycle we're in and move forward. Excellent. So I'm going to, I'm going to bury the lead a little bit here on, uh, on exactly how this QC ally group came together. So Donna, <laughs> I'm going to come to you last, but Mike, I want to introduce you to the audience and I've had the pleasure of knowing you through, through several incarnations and leadership roles in the housing industry. Can you tell us a little about your background as a technology leader in the housing space? Sure. My background before housing was manufacturing and we built widgets, let's just say. We sourced product from all over the world, put them together for a certain price and then sold them to market. When I got into the tech world, I was in network consulting. Uh, This was in the early days of of WANs, Wide Area Networks. So I'm dating myself a little bit. Uh, But we started working with local mortgage lenders that all wanted to be on the same database. They wanted their loans to all be in the same database so they could see what's going on with their pipeline or they could see what's going on with loans that they want to sell to the secondary market. And from that networking experience, I fell into the mortgage space. As, as Nicole said, you kind of get into it and you, you don't really know how. Next thing I knew, we were mortgage experts. But you didn't major in mortgage technology in college? I did not major in mortgage technology. But after we did a couple of iterations of installing networks back in the day when there was a contour and we were putting people on a wide area network with contour, we created Mortgage Cadence out of that. And then we had that business and built that business up from really nothing, my partner and I, to what it became. We sold that to Accenture. I stayed at Accenture in their mortgage service and mortgage tech group for five years uh, at Accenture Credit Services. Left, I retired from there, went to class appraisal, now class valuation, and then in 2018, uh, left there and, or, sorry, in 2020, we sold that business and then we, uh, my partners and I, acquired IncoCheck, which is now QC Ally. Oh, you gave away the headline. Okay. Oh, sorry. I didn't know. I just, just trying to bury the lead. Didn't you uh, miss that? I, I, well, I heard him say it, but I honestly don't know what bury the lead meant. So I just, I just rolled with it. <laughs> Pretending I'll be journalists. Right. Now. right. That's, so, Mike, that's a, a fascinating background, and it's a, a wealth of experience that, that you've built in, in an important time in housing technology, kind of from the, the infancy to the place we are today, where adoption and innovation has accelerated in a big way. And what we're seeing here at Housing Wire Annual. Um, hopefully some folks taking a, a breather as volumes are a little bit lower than we wished and implementing some of these tools to become more efficient lenders on the other side. 
Donna, it's very nice to meet you today. Tell us about your role at the company now called QC Ally. Well, um, I'm the Chief Operating Officer and President of QC Ally. And so my day-to-day, I run the operations and work with uh, sales um, for to bring on board new clients. And, our, um, and I also service our current clients. So I work with them consulting really every day to help them um, do a better job at their quality control, which in turn helps us do a better job at what we provide from the quality control services. So tell us more about your your career path and what brought you to this business today. Well, I I also did not plan to go into the mortgage business, (laughs) Um, but I actually, this is all I've ever done at CareerWise um, is work in mortgages. I was a frontline underwriter before AUSs came out, and that's how I ended up in QC because I worked for Mortgage Banker, and the owner of that company thought that he didn't need underwriters anymore. So I went over to QC at that time. And um, so that's what I've been doing 25 years on the front end. And then when the opportunity came for me to come to IncoCheck, um, the previous company, and build the QC division, I embraced that. I had worked with vendors for many years and did not have good experiences at all. So I was very excited to be able to come over and build something that I thought other companies would like as well. And so we've been very successful with that. Uh, one of the things I've heard from from Mike and folks uh, that have been involved in this business is that IncoCheck was a had a, had a massive penetration in the in the mortgage industry and uh, was kind of a, a secret weapon for for a lot of lenders. How tell me about that kind of evolution of building like really impressive impressive market share? Well, it was it was really just one client at a time, and that was we we flew under the radar purposely because we wanted to build the company before we came out to the market and said, "Hey, we're here." So, um, so it's been a new experience uh, with Nicole and Mike and everybody that's joined the company because we are used to being in the background versus being up front. That's really interesting, and um, I think our, our audience that has listened to the show for a while knows that that my background is as a, an M and A banker, and I'll always get excited about interesting deals with a with a strong growth thesis. So, Mike, can you like dig in a little bit more about your path that started in 2020, most recently, and searching for an acquisition? What characteristics you were looking for, and the path that led you to IncoCheck now QCLA. Sure, happy to. And that might be the last time we we say IncoCheck, right? We're just QC right. Ally after QC Ally going forward. So I'm going to go back a little bit from your question, but back to the credit crisis. Um, I was at Mortgage Cadence in those days, and when we went through the credit crisis, amongst amongst a myriad of issues, two issues that really stood out for me were appraisal issues and loan quality issues. And I was in Mortgage Cadence at the time. So when we had the opportunity to acquire an appraisal company, we did that with class. When we had the opportunity and and after moving on from class to look at what else are we going to do in the mortgage space, we actually targeted loan quality. We looked at several of the companies that are out there, um, had a lot of uh, interesting learnings as we started to see that this part of the industry is extremely fragmented. There's people that do uh, quality internal of their organization. There's people that use external vendors. There's software vendors in the space. So what drew us to the space really 
first was wanting to make a difference in mortgage, going all the way back to the credit crisis to help produce higher quality loans so that it actually expands accessibility to loans because when there's good veracity around and good work around how do you actually manufacture a mortgage, it allows the credit box to be opened up a little bit more, which is what we're very interested in these days. So we... um, we're lucky enough because of our contacts in the investment banking space to come across QC Ally. Um, we spent a lot of time with uh, Donna and the former CEO um, going through the normal due diligence that you, would, that you would go through. And what we really saw more than anything was a passion for loan quality and homegrown technology that gave us the ability to produce a work product that was unrivaled in the space. And that's what drew us into QC Ally. As you look back at your experience at at Cadence and Class, are there any operating lessons that you lean that you lean back on and know that as you come into a new business uh, as, a, as an owner, what levers are important to plan for and how to plan for this growth path that I know is an ambition for QC Ally? Yeah. So the first thing I always say about uh, inorganic growth or M&A, M&A investments like we do is do no harm. It's the, it's the, the, the Hippocratic oath. Yep. First, do no harm. Don't screw it up. Right. If you're <laughs> buying a business, you're buying it because it does something really well and you want that. Um, so that's how we approach it. And that's, that's one of the lessons that we've learned is to take what the company has done that's done, been a really good job and that's caused them to have really loyal clients and then maximize that. Um, and then build systems around the maximization of that that allows the business to scale. And then the other thing that we typically do is get our message out there, tell our stories. And where do you get those stories? From your customers. So when we did the client interviews um, prior to the acquisition, we did not have one bad reference. And we didn't just call the references that the company gave us. We found our own references, which is another lesson that you know you do when you when you when you do this type of work. So um, those are a couple things that I would say as you think about inorganic growth or maybe MA. Um, do no harm. If you're buying an asset that's got value, preserve that value. And second, maximize the voice of what the customers say you do well and make sure everybody hears that message. Because if you hear a consistent theme, which we heard very consistent themes, it's something that the industry is looking for because that's why those customers work with QC Ally. It, so I'll, I'll double down on the, the inorganic conversation here. Do you, when you think about a, an acquisition path, people often think about acquiring capabilities or acquiring reach deeper into a, a client? segment. As you think about a path forward for QC Ally, do you think there's an opportunity to expand the capability set or do you look broader inside of the the existing QC capability world and say, we're going to help consolidate this market and serve more clients because because you are who you are? Yeah. So I would say I would say a couple of things. First, when it when you think about inorganic growth, we don't use that as a main strategy. Okay. Um, it's not like we, we are trying to do a roll-up to use an industry term. Um, we are very opportunistic about it, and we're disciplined about why we look at a particular 
segment. So it could be that we want to enter a specific space, a specific lending space, say uh, reverse mortgage. At class, we were very interested in that space, and we made an acquisition that was very big in the reverse mortgage space. You might want to enter a geographical region, and that might be another reason why, why you do it. Or you might want to offer capability that the company currently doesn't have. What's interesting about uh, QC Ally, one of the things we notice is that they have uh, a big market share and big penetration in the services that they do, but there's a lot of things that they do that they don't have a lot of market penetration on. That's not because they're not good at it. It's just because they haven't had the opportunity to actually go and highlight that and shout it to the industry. So that's another area that I, for QC Ally specifically, I think highlighting uh, our ability in areas where we do a little bit of work, but we could do a lot more. Maybe inorganic growth is is an opportunity there. So, Nicole, I want to jump into the, the organic growth strategy because I imagine as chief marketing officer, that is a big responsibility that, that you have been charged with. But I want to go a little bit deeper on some of the topics Mike just talked about in reference to the services that are, are currently most valued and most important to the, the existing QC ally clientele. Give us an overview into the kind of the uninitiated who don't work in quality control every day. What does QC ally bring to the market and why do clients value you? So first of all, I would say QC Ally is your partner in enterprise loan quality and audit services. And what does that mean? As someone who came from the digital mortgage space, I'm like, what do you mean? All of this is happening. I wasn't even like, what's going on? And it can get very, um, it can get very complex very quickly. And so to anyone else that's listening, I would say, um, you really got to boil it down to partnership, being a partner with your lender, excellence, making sure that um, when you're doing audit services, when you're reviewing loans, when you're making sure um, whether, whether they're fair lending or servicing, um, that you see excellence and accuracy, and then um, moving in from accuracy to that quality piece. And so when Mike was talking about, we were talking to our client, our current clients, um, how do we rebrand and rebuild um, that's where we really focused on. And that's kind of the mission that we're taking from this complex issue and boiling it down so others understand it. The audit work often gets associated with like uh, a backward looking process of like looking at the after a loan is closed, after a, a MBS is securitized, after whatever you're, you're auditing. But as I understand it, the QC ally um, partnership with clients also it starts in like in, in pre-close, correct? Is, oh, so, it, so what is that? So yeah. like, how does like when you integrate as a partner, like what is that like entire life cycle look like that I know repeats itself over and over again? But, like, I know I've talked a lot about the life cycle of the loan, don't I? <laughs> so um, at QC Ally, you know, we do everything from um, uh, you know pre-funding. Have it, we have our tech platform that allows for pre-funding, so you can do that in-house, so you have speed to the closing right? Which efficiency and speed really matters right now, especially in the purchase market, right? Yep. Trying to get everybody into that home. And so you have the ability to do that through our platform. Then we also offer post funding and then servicing uh, audits as well, that we have this really great partnership of technology and then human um, expertise that we blend together to give you the best possible services. And in my argument, I think that's the way things should go. You can really read about it in my past as well. You want the blend of technology and human so that you have 
up-to-date regulatory information. You have someone with a keen eye who knows how to spot patterns. So again, all the way from pre-funding, from the first touch point with the um, consumer or the borrower, all the way through the life of the loan, you can work with QC Ally. All right. So how do you take that value prop and in your, your new role as CMO, apply it to an organic growth strategy? That's a great question. I think that for us, what we're trying to do is um, build the relationship, thought leadership, making sure that we're out there talking to people, helping them understand the importance of loan quality and what it means in the in the mortgage space. And so I think that's what we're doing now. First of all, we needed to rebrand so that the name um, reflected what we could bring to the table, what Donna and the um, former Inco Check Group had already built. How do we share that story? And to us, if we can take that rebrand, to take that story, take that thought leadership, I think the organic strategy will happen. The organic strategy in the marketplace will happen in that way. And now we're going to take a really quick break for this week's edition of the Mortgage Minute brought to you by Angel Oak Mortgage Solutions. Hello. This is Stephen Winokur, Chief Marketing Officer with Angel Oak, bringing you today's non-QM Minute. I recently attended Housing Wire Annual and met with mortgage and housing leaders from all over the country. It was an excellent event, creating optimism in the face of tremendous volatility in the marketplace. A few thoughts I took from the conference. Celebrate wins, especially the small ones. No matter the role, there is always something next on the horizon. Take a breath and celebrate the team's hard work. Stay present. It is almost more important to promote your business during difficult times. Someone said it like this. Be there during the downturn to grow during the upturn. Find a niche. For originators, how about looking for an underserved borrowers that need a non-QM product? Remember, this too shall pass. In the meantime, learn how to close more business using non-QM by speaking with Angel Oak. And that's today's non-QM Minute. So, so Donna, I'm interested, like through your years of experience as a leader in the organization, what's, what's one of the things that lenders misunderstand about, about QC in terms of the the value that, that you bring to your clients? From my experience, what lenders misunderstand sometimes is that QC, QC is not just a a loss center, right? Uh, There's value from a quality control process, one that is efficient and one that is accurate. So if you have a a vendor that's providing you quality results that you can take and you can send out to the organization um, so that there can be effective change in processes, then that's money saved, right? Those are loans that are not being bought back. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a very important, like, uh, proposition that I think the, there's a couple of focus areas that we see inside of this group of attendees at Housing Wire Annual right now, like people are looking for efficiency, looking for cost efficient ways to, to build their business. And if that reduces risk at the same time, then that's a, that's a, that's a powerful value proposition. Well, and I think my kid on it earlier too, right? Like, I think if you have trust in mortgage integrity and the loan and you know that you have the right QC vendor working with you, it allows the lender to take risks in other areas, right? Like different types of products, opening the credit box, um, you know, or just, you know, doing other things that would allow them to have, to gain market share, to keep more people in their, in seats if they need to. So 
loan quality really has an opportunity to allow for this growth of other things to happen. Yeah, absolutely. So I think like another important thing to bring context to is where we are in the current market. And here we are uh, having this conversation and uh, it's been a it's been a volatile, quick year in, in housing. We've seen interest rates double in, in less than six months. And, that, you know, that comes with some repercussions to, to refi volume and some hesitancy um, in, in the purchase market. And I want to as you know, as, a, as an M&A professional, I know we all have to like think about the environment we're buying into and building into. And I'm interested, Mike, in like kind of your point of view of like where we are in this current housing cycle and how you, you know, if you play to the theme of this housing wire annual conference of like preparing for what's next. So I want to kind of give you the floor on how you think about like the, the underwriting scenario of the timing of buying in the industry. Sure. Well, I think it was a great time for us to enter into the loan quality space. I'll say that right up front. The other thing that I that I'll say is that when volumes are going back to normal, so I people I read a lot of articles around about and see a lot of news about you know the the sky is falling right. I think that we're going from a very unusual time <laughs> to a normal time. Normalization. So we're in normalization, and when I think about that, I think a few things are happening. Obviously. The agencies are being told to think about loan quality. They're being told to think about what's coming in, not only to them ultimately, but what's coming into the lenders. What are the lenders doing that that improves loan quality? We've talked to people that are increasing their pre-funding audits from 10, 5 to 10% to 50%, 60%, right? And so for what, what we're doing at this point is we're entering into the space where we want to offer our customers the ability to leverage our pre-funding technology while at the same time giving the opportunity to partner with us to create true enterprise loan quality. So our vision for the market is a partnership and a collaboration between the lender and us as a tech-enabled services company where they're involved in their loan quality and we're involved in their loan quality so that as we go and produce high-quality loans to sell into the secondary markets that there's no disappointments, no buybacks because we have an enterprise position. So, and I, I, whoever wants to grab this, I'm interested, but like if you're doing pre- and post-close audits and helping with loan quality, are you in a, is, is, is QC Ally in a position to help lenders identify breaks in process or breaks in, in underwriting that like solve for, for long-term better credit quality? Yes, we are, and I'm going to I'm going to answer one. I'm going to answer your question a little bit differently, and then I'm going to ask Donna to jump in on that one. So, giving you a little fair warning, Donna. Um, one of the things I would say, additionally, Clayton, that that our or your listeners should think about is when you partner with the right loan quality partner, you're you're what you're really thinking about is opening your credit box, maybe to loans that you didn't think about before. When you need volume and you have the right loan quality perspective from the minute you get an application through a closed loan, you should be able to open your credit box and originate, originate more loans, which is what we think our lenders are, are looking to do today. But your question about identifying broken processes in the underwriting process, I'll 
handed to Donna. Yes, absolutely. Um, through, the, through the audit reviews, the pre-funding and the post-funding, you can identify those processes that are not working within that lender's organization. It even goes back to the selection of the loans that are being audited, and that's something we want to work with our clients on, ensure that they're getting the biggest bang for their buck, right? Because they're spending a lot of money on QC. You need to be auditing those high-risk products, your new employees, your new investors, right? Um, those high DTIs, low FICO scores, those things that you know that are high risk um, that could come back to you, you know, at the end if the loan doesn't perform or even not even get bought on a warehouse, you know, not get sold to an investor and have to go back on your warehouse line. So what does the communication flow look like when you you identify uh, an opportunity or a process break in the in the QC process? And I'm kind of interested. Um, I don't know who like the the key persona is that you communicate with at the lenders. Like, are you talking to chief credit officers or folks in in technology or underwriting? Like, t- tell us a little more about like the um, the process interaction and how the, like the feedback loops work that help your clients actually improve and uncover opportunity. Well, through our tech enabled. Um services that we provide, we provide a suite of reporting. Um, So we do trending analysis for our clients. They can look back, you know, current month, three months, 12 months, and see those trends um, from the defects that are being identified. And we're typically working with a QC manager or compliance manager at the lender's shop. I think it really varies from lender to lender too, right? I think that when you asked me earlier, what's the difference from going from a lender to a vendor? Um, it's every lender is different. Some use more paper than others. Some are more tech friendly. Some, you know, some have compliance and quality. Some have risk quality. Some have like a whole floor of people. Some have like one person, right? And so Donna and her team really do a great job of connecting directly with those clients as well as understanding each lender that we work with. They're in how they're made up inside, and it it's. It's crazy how how different it varies from lender to lender. Like, there's no like magic or you know structure. It's a long tail industry, and I mean, like when you talk <laughs> right. about going lender to vendor, I mean, you came from the largest lender right. in the country who right. has a job title built for every function that could right. ever ever be necessary inside of the housing industry. But there's 4,500 lenders in the in right. the Honda database, and I'm sure once you get past I don't know 200, the profile changes really really right. quickly. Um, so knowing like how different and long tail the housing industry is, do you have to come, is there a different message? Is there a different strategy? Is there a different product in how you work with the, the enterprise versus the mid market versus like, like the extreme end of the long tail and like small community banks and credit unions? I think right now we're figuring that piece out. Um, Donna has an excellent track record of working with those mid to smaller lenders that we've built the amazing yep. success on. And I think going forward, we need to figure out how, you know, with our offerings of pre-funding and doing it in-house as, as well as partnering with that post-funding and servicing as well. What does that look like for an enterprise vendor? What does tech-enabled services mean for an an enterprise lender? And so I think right now we're figuring out is it is there something structured around that? Is there not? Does it look similar? I think to a smaller or mid-sized, no, I think the answer is no. Um, and then when you start talking about um, non-bank versus bank, what does that look like? When yep. you, you brought up community banks, like, is it the same for credit unions? You know, how does that work when we talk to a large bank institution and what risk do they have? And so I think right now we're in that exploratory process of figuring out like, how does this work in um, in a very structured manner? 
Yeah. Okay. So t- today, is it a mix? Uh, is the client list a mix of the the community banks and the long tail as well as some IMBs? Yes, and credit unions as well. So I, I'd add to what Nicole says is we have customers in every profile. SMB, small and medium-sized banks, as well as enterprise. And the question is, how do you codify the offering to each one of those different segments yeah. in a way that allows it to be consumable to them to where it makes sense for them to for us to be able to grow in that space? And that's part of what I talked about earlier. There's things that we do, non-mortgage-related, non-mortgage-related, that are in those banks looking at and understanding credit quality and loan quality. And so codifying those offerings in a way to the different market segments that we serve is a big part of what we're working on at QC Ally. Sorry, do you mind going a little deeper on like the the non-mortgage mention of like how else you work with some of the banks and their credit offerings? Just just, just think about any any time that you're offered credit, whether that's a credit card, whether okay. that's a, auto whether that's an auto loan, whether that's a boat loan, a personal loan. All of those loans are are up for review as to is there quality issues, is there fraud issues, is there systemic issues inside the organization that are allowing certain things to be missed. And so um, QCL has been doing that work, and we're, we are doing that work. And so how do we codify that into our yeah. offering as far as what we do for mortgage? My guess is that we have clients that we do today, mortgage loan audit work for, provide technology for mortgage loan audit work, that have a whole group of, of loans in their organization that they don't even know we offer services for. Mm-hmm. I mean, product diversity has been kind of a theme of the last six months as everyone hunt, hunts for volume. And like part of that is product diversity into other mortgage products, the non-conforming, the, the non, non-QM. We see a lot more interest in reverse, like like Mike mentioned earlier, which I want to want to come back to because we have a strong interest in reverse too and have made the the bet on the reverse market through our acquisition of, of reverse mortgage daily. So I want to talk about those demographics a little bit. Um, but there's, there's also lenders that have announced new home equity products and interest in personal loans. And like we see diversification inside of traditional mortgage lenders that are hunting for ways, one, chasing, looking for revenue sources, but, but two, looking for ways to deepen relationships um, with their existing client set. So that's, that's an interesting yeah. uh, point, Mike. So it's, it's something we want to highlight from an from a actual marketing discipline perspective versus an opportunistic perspective. Yeah. I'm happy to jump into reverse if that's what you want to yeah, do. Yeah, let's do it. Tell me about your thesis on like why reverse is interesting. Well, I, it may be more than you want. I know this is a short podcast, but <laughs> I've been a big supporter of reverse mortgages now for 30 years. Uh, you were early. I was very early in, <laughs> on game in that at the mortgage cadence days. I was very demanding about having the ability to do reverse mortgages, not just because there was opportunity there, but because I believe so much in the product and in the space. Uh, my grandmother was in a situation where, you know, her, she was, a, you know, my grandfather passed away. She had a lot of equity in her home. And she almost lost that home because she didn't have the ability to actually leverage that equity in a way that made sense for her and all the time that they'd spent in that home when they moved from California to Colorado, however many years back. And so when I realized that that she really didn't have any offerings, and back then it was like, oh, reverse mortgage, this is like taboo, scam, horrible, run, run, run. And then when I understood how the product actually worked, even back then, I'm like, well, I'm not so sure. This actually makes some sense. 
So I've been a big supporter of it. I am a big supporter of it. We do some of that work at QC Ally today. I'd like to do more there, um, not only because there are opportunities, as I said, but I'm a big believer in that space and the product for that market segment. There it is, the personal tie-in. They, you didn't major in mortgage tech in college, but you did have <laughs> you did have that personal story with your grandmother that definitely influences you to want to continue innovating and building in the housing space. So, Nicole, I want to kind of turn to you with a closing question and, and happy to have Donna and Mike jump in. But so we talked about why now is a good time to to build in, in the mortgage industry. But the reason we're all building and investing in our business today is we do believe that um, demographics are there and the market will, will turn in a serious way as we start to find some stabilization with the Federal Reserve. Um, <laughs> so as you look toward a market, that's more normalized as Mike raised earlier. How does the, how does the business change when lenders are finding their footing in terms of purchase volume and seeing a little more normalized level of, of refi? Does the, does the marketing strategy change? Does the business change at all? I, I don't think so. I think we have all the pieces there. Um, and because we already have a foundation, we're able to pivot where we need to based on where we are in the mortgage cycle. Loan quality will always be important, which is why we're very proud to be the official enterprise loan quality provider of housing wire annual 2022 and so because that because it's because it's so important because you need trust in the mortgage you're always going to need that loan quality piece it won't matter if it's for purchase refi or whatever new um, products someone comes up with in the future so I'll, I'll jump in I don't want to get into a big discussion about <laughs> economics but what I will say is that we are in a very unusual time with the Fed um, raising interest rates so quickly so many times. Uh, but I do personally believe that it's a good thing for the industry that 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 the housing pricing is cooling a bit. Um, if you look at the stats around house formation, there's demand out there. As we get supply chain issues solved, hopefully new construction will start to take place. I always think when I think about big macro trends, I always say, well, look at look right around you, right? If you're in a if you're in a, in America, whether it's small town or big town, look around you. What are people talking about? What are people doing? I can tell you in in Colorado, there's a enormous amount of demand that's pent up from folks that want to actually buy a home that are in the market, and I see the factors that are coming to play, other than the continuing rising interest rates. Um, which will cool, in my opinion, that, that the house formation will take place. People don't sit around and go, you know what I want to do for the next 30 years? Pay rent. <laughs> I don't know anybody that says that. People want to own. It's part of the American dream. You don't want to just pontificate on the sideline of, is that, is that, is that market going to crash? Can I buy at a 2008 level right. again? Well, and I mean, and there's a lot of um, a lot of push from the administration and from the regulators yep. on expansion to home ownership and accessibility. And I think it's all intertwined. And so um, your points are valid. Thank you. And, <laughs> and you're seeing that because you're seeing the regulators trying to figure this out as well. I know at Housing Wire Annual, we're going to hear from regulators. I know Faith Schwartz, yep. who's one of our board members, is speaking on a regulatory power session and it'll be really interesting to hear what they have to say. I know this will probably be posted post this um, annual event, but it'll be interesting to hear what they have to say about expansion to home ownership and what happens after this part of the cycle. I, I think Mike got an early preview of Logan Motoshami's uh, economic talk tomorrow. It's not like you were, you're, uh, <laughs> you're, you're speaking the Logan Bible there on the economic points. <laughs> Mike, Nicole, Excellent. Donna, thank you so much for joining us today here for this live recording at Housing Wire Annual. Thank you, Clayton. We appreciate all that Housing Wire does. 
a big supporter of you and your organization have been for years. So thank you. Bam. Now that is a wrap of this week's episode of the housing news podcast. Do me a huge favor and go to iTunes and rate this show. And if you leave a comment, you better tune in next week because you might get a shout out. Thank you.